Well, welcome. It's good to have you this evening, and uh, let's get started. October prophecy update. Why don't you grab your Bible and turn to, uh, we'll start in Luke 21. It says there in Luke 21, 25, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Here, Jesus talking in Luke 21 is sort of the, the same uh, parallel passage of Matthew 24. We've spent a lot of time there and this is Jesus talking about what the end of the world's gonna look like. But there's so much here, and you know, we, we could uh, dive into some of these details, and we have in previous studies, but there's a few things that um, kind of caught my attention even in the most recent days, weeks, and even months is um, some of the language here is stuff that we're beginning to see. And um, the thing that I wanna really kind of camp out on is this, this verse here, uh, Luke 21, verse 28, at the very end of our little reading here. Um, you know, when these things begin to come to pass, when they begin to come to pass, not when they fully come to pass. Um, one of the reasons you and I have to be careful about the, what the Bible says that's gonna come to pass at the end of the world was the church that's gonna be raptured. We're gonna be taken up out of here. Um, we're only gonna see the beginnings of these things. Then we're raptured. And then they're gonna see the fulfilling of a lot of the prophecies that include from the rapture of the church, the seven year period called tribulation and all the other events that are gonna happen after that. And then the second coming of Christ, which will be there for that. But there's, there's a lot here, even in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, a lot of these things, we're gonna, we're gonna miss the full meal deal because thank the Lord, we're gonna be taken up to be with the Lord. And this is why you and I should be comforted. One of the things I'd love to accomplish uh, this evening is to remind people that hearts are troubled or maybe even like the word here, perplexed, uh, to remind that, man, we get to look up for uh, our redemption draweth nigh. That's the King Jimmy way of saying, man, our, our salvation's really close. We're getting closer and closer. And we, we start to, what do we do? When we see these things come to pass, we look up. We don't look out and go, oh, things are really bad and it freaks us out. No, as Christians, we get to look up and look to the salvation, the redemption that draws near. Uh, I love the comfort that we find in that. And comfort is what we need. You know, it's interesting because um, notice the word in verse 25, it says, you know, when the distress of nations comes about, it says, with perplexity. And, uh, and the word perplexity there, uh, it means the Greek word, the definition is, is, it's very clearly, there's no apparent solution. And one of the things we see in the world today is we've got a lot of issues that seems to have no apparent solution. And there's a lot of people troubled by that. Uh, there's, you know, what do you do with all the stuff that's going on? You see, I was joking, you know, last weekend about how I'm gonna have to try to figure out something to talk about at Prophecy Update. Like, what are we talking about? Oh my goodness, uh, where do you begin, you know, with what's going on in the world? We're living in crazy times. 
Uh, and it's not just me saying that. Like it's all the news agencies. I don't care who you're watching, whether it's uh, you know CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or The Daily Wire. Like everybody, everybody's agreeing. Yeah, things are crazy. And so there's so much to talk about. We could talk about the Nord Stream pipeline or the Putin threats, and maybe we'll get into some of this tonight, or, or even um, you know, the, the, the more and more wokeism. You'd think the wokeism thing would start to dwindle a little bit as it's one of those ridiculous things we've ever seen, and yet uh, we're seeing more and more of it. Uh, uh, nuclear threats, um, there's people talking of World War III, and, and it's not just sort of light talk anymore. It's real deep concern from those that actually care. And of course, the horrors that we're dealing with, uh, with climate change. <laughs> What's so funny? Uh, did I crack a joke there? <laughs> man, today was so beautiful. I love this. October, 80 degrees, sun's shining, man. It feels like summer. And if this is climate change, bring it on. I love it. Uh, whew, I, I think this is great. Forget about the polar bears. Um, but... No, I, I shouldn't say that because there's people listening that are saying, oh, he doesn't care about the polar bear. Well, um, the polar bear thing was a whole lie to begin with. Just, to, just if you do your homework, it's, it's been proven. All that stuff was really kind of made up and Al Gore and all that stuff. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, all these things, uh, you know, that the world is freaking out about it. It actually is causing real distress and perplexity and people don't know what to do. So let's see if we can squeeze in tonight talking about some of these things as it relates. Again, I'm not here just to give the news, although I kind of do that a little bit, but I want to give sort of the news that pertains to things that are linking with what the Bible says is going to happen in the last days. And so it's the news that is important, I think, to the uh, believer or the Christian or, or uh, the, for us to know what's going on for even the non-believer, you know, after the rapture of the church, what people are going to face uh, and stuff like that. These are all things that I think are important for us to, to look at. Look at. Uh, some of you say, Brett, you didn't mention the red heifer, the red heifer. Uh, you prophecy buffs uh, know what I'm talking about there. Can I, I'll just say something about the red heifer because um, maybe you saw the news, uh, what was it, a, a week and a half ago or so, they flew five red heifers from Texas to Jerusalem and they landed there at the Ben Gurion airport. And, and um, Now I've been doing Bible prophecy updates for 27 years. That's a long time. Yeah, Brett, and Jesus hasn't come back yet. Oh, but see, that's the thing. I, I love when people kind of bring that up to me. You've been, doing, you've been talking about this for 27 years. Um, but you have to understand the time is short. And, you know, a day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years with the Lord is as a day. And this is the way the early church lived, thinking that the Lord could rapture the church even in their time. This is the way God wants us to live, by the way, with expectation, the imminence of his return. That's part of how we're supposed to live as Christians. So even if the Lord doesn't, you know, come in my lifetime, which I think he will. But if he doesn't, uh, I'm really happy to have lived my life uh, with that expectation, oh, because that's the, the faithful servant that's vigilant, sober, and watching and waiting uh, for his return. Um, and so, when, but, but, but the reason I bring up this red heifer thing is because sometimes people say, why don't you ever talk about some of this stuff? Um, I'll tell you the reason. Uh, I've seen 30 red heifers come and go in the last 27 years. Uh, and they've had, you know, they've designed them and they, you know, I've seen scientists who were trying to get in Ohio or wherever, red heifers and, and, you know, and it has to do with the ashes of a red heifer. And it's actually a beautiful old, old Testament, um, picture, uh, and, and part of the Jewish worship, uh, of the cleansing and all this stuff. Um, and if you want, just, you know, you, you can go back in our, in our studies, you know, of the, uh, Levitical laws 
and the priesthood and how they did stuff. And we talked about the red heifer. Just look it up on our website, search red heifer, and you'll find um, you know, teachings that we've done on this. But the reason I don't get all caught up in that is I've seen so many red heifers come and go and you're saying, yeah, but Brett, they flew these five red heifers on like a special Learjet over there and stuff. Well, they got a nice ride, uh, the cows. Um, but, um, but the thing about the red heifer deal is um, uh, a couple things about that. One is uh, these may or may not be the red heifers. Uh, th- there's a thing about how old the red heifers have to be. Uh, I had a red heifer with a white face, so it didn't count. When I was in 4-H, I had a, a Hefia the heifer is what I called her, um, and she was demon-possessed, but that's a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but this red heifer is part of the religious uh, rituals of the Judaism that actually is a beautiful portrait of Jesus Christ and, and the bloodline of Christ that's perfect and all that, um, and, and so it's pretty cool, and people get into that. But the thing about the red heifer is when that actually is, that, that's gonna be part of the new temple that's built in Jerusalem and, and, um, and it's gonna be part of the Jews going back to the temple to do their old Ju- Judaism practices. Um, you say, well, that's wonderful. Not really. Uh, because if you remember, the Jews are gonna go back to Jerusalem and the temple doing their same old thing, still rejecting Jesus. Okay, do you understand that? That's important. Um, he's gonna, they're gonna still bring up their old you know, Hebrew Bible J- Judaism without Christ until what event's going to wake up the Jews? Uh, what's that gonna, what is the event? The abomination of desolation. That's when the Antichrist is going to go into the newly rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, which I believe that's going to be rebuilt right after the rapture of the church. Gonna, they've already got all the lumber, equipment, concrete, rebar, gold, silver, tapestries, all that stuff. The Temple Institute in Jerusalem has all the stuff they need to rebuild the temple right now. They're ready to go. The only politically, they're not ready for a uh, temple to be rebuilt right there next to the Dome of the Rock Mosque in Jerusalem, if you can imagine that happening today. It will happen in the tribulation period. Then the abomination of desolation will happen. And then the Jews will see that they've missed it, that Jesus is the Messiah. And here's a question for you. Once they see Jesus, the Messiah, what are they gonna think about the ashes of the red heifer? Anybody? Hello? They'll say, yeah, whatever, because Jesus is here. Remember Colossians chapter two talks about, remember, um, these things are a shadow of the things that are coming. You know, and he talks about, let no man judge you concerning the new moon, the feast, the festivals, and all the rituals, if you would, of, of the things that point to Christ's coming in the Old Testament. Those are used to point to Jesus, but once the Jews see Jesus, it's the same reason why you and I today aren't worried about ashes of a red heifer. In the same way. Now, now there is value in it, and I'll tell you what it is. When you see people and Jews talking about getting ashes of red heifer and stuff like that, you realize, okay, that is an indication that the temple is being readied to be rebuilt. And so it is a little bit of an indication of the fact that we could be living close to the tribulation period because everybody's postured to do that. That's the only thing I get out of that. But like I said, we've seen ashes, or we've seen red heifers come and go for the last 27 years. Um, and they have to be perfect, and there's all kinds of requirements, so people get all up into a tizzy about that. Um, I think it was Amir Tafati that said some things about this, and I thought, I agree with that. Like, he's, he's right on that one, as far as just uh, people kind of making too big of a deal about that, so I like that. Um, but uh, the, the point is Jesus. That's one of the things you have to be careful of when you're all excited about you know, the Judaism. I see people get really excited about the, 
the feasts and the trumpets and all that stuff. And, and I understand that. I, I, I go to Jerusalem a lot. I, I spend, I've spent a lot of time in Israel and I love all that. But people get delirious when they hear a shofar, you know, tears start flowing down their cheeks. And I'm not sure why, they don't sound that good. I'm a, I'm a musician, I, I like a good tone and it's just not really my favorite sound. Um, but all of that stuff was supposed to point to Jesus, we have Jesus, Jesus is our savior. So, so those things are a shadow. We don't get all excited about the shadow. We get excited about Jesus. And that's what's gonna happen, thank the Lord, in the middle of the tribulation when it says, you know, the fullness of the Gentiles, Romans 11 says, will come in and then all of Israel will be saved. Uh, the fullness of the Gentiles, the rapture of the church, the tribulation period will be used to wake up a nation of Jews and they'll see that Jesus is the Messiah. And that's the glorious part of that. So just, we gotta kind of keep our excitement uh, in check about what really matters. That's kind of important. Well, so there's, there's my little quick take on the uh, red heifer flight uh, to Ben Gurion Airport there in, in uh, Tel Aviv. Um, so so what, what's going on? Uh, you know, I, I, uh, the world is, is being shaken right now. And that's why sort of I've, I've kind of called this uh, prophecy update, world at risk because um, there's a lot of people that are really uh, kind of freaked out right now. So um, what do we do? We look up, we lift our heads, our redemption draws near. In fact, uh, Matthew 24, Jesus says similar things like this. He says in Matthew 24, six, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. The end is not yet. One of the things that Jesus wants from us uh, in this uh, Olivet Discourse from Matthew 24. And Paul the Apostle jumps on this bandwagon too. Don't be troubled, you know, don't be troubled. In fact, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Um, in my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. See, we realize we have a heavenly future. And so when we talk about Bible prophecy, I hope you're not freaked out or, or uh, upset. Um, you say, but Brett, the world is crazy and I'm upset about that. Think about it this way. You could look at the world and the way we're going right now and not have the Lord and have no hope and be really bummed out about everything that's going on. Or you can look at the world and, and see what's going on and go, wow, this is amazing. Everything the Bible says, it only confirms your faith and gives you peace because you know the Lord's in control. He's got, you know, when the world says the world's falling apart, we say, no, it's falling into place. Exactly as the Lord said, it gives us confidence and, and we're not running around like chickens with our head, heads cut off or chicken little, the sky is falling. Um, as prophecy people, we realize, wow, this is exactly what the scriptures say. And so when I see the news and um, you know, there's troubling things, instead of getting mad and yelling at the TV and saying, what is this world coming to? I say, man, the Lord's coming soon. And it gives me great hope and I can have great peace. See that you be not troubled. That's one of the mandates Jesus actually gave. So with that said, what's interesting though is even today I was listening to some news uh, outlets and agencies and some writings that I was reading and, and people are really troubled. The only people, by the way, that aren't troubled, and maybe there's wisdom in this, are the people that don't watch the news. They're just going around, hey man, things are great. You know, what a beautiful day in Oregon. Uh, you know, and maybe that's a great plan. I don't know. Uh, ignorance might just be bliss as it turns out. But anybody that knows what's going on in the world, there's a lot of reasons to be troubled. And that's why the world is troubled. So, so part of the, the, the purpose tonight is to say, yes, everything in the world's troubling, but guess what? We don't have to let our hearts be troubled. The world is at risk. Uh, at risk for what? Total destruction. 
You say, but that's depressing. No, see that you be not troubled. These things must come to pass, Jesus said, and this is part of the plan. This is part of what's gonna happen. So it might be troubling to the world, to the secularist, but to the Christian, we should be encouraged. That's why, you know, Paul jumps on it in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, you know, wherefore comfort yourselves together, one another with these words. Uh, and the words are, you know, that you will know the times and the seasons and the, the, you and I are not appointed unto the wrath of God, but to obtain salvation. So what do we do? We comfort one another with these words. So when I talk about news that's troubling, um, keep in the back of your mind the whole time, this is all really truly what the world is doing without Christ. We have the Lord and we know our redemption is truly drawing near. Does that make sense? I hope, I hope you always gotta keep that in your mind because that's everything when I see it is meant to be actually comforting. So let's see how much we can get in tonight without going too long. I, I went really, really long last time and uh, I feel bad for that. Sometimes you guys look a little glazed over by uh, 10.30 at night. So um, I'm gonna try to keep <laughs> But, uh, but let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Russia is threatening. This is a big deal even as we speak. There's, you know, there's some real, and it's more than saber rattling. I, I, I called this saber rattling, I think, uh, several months back. But um, it, it truly is. If you miss this, you should know what um, Vladimir Putin's speeches, uh, what he's been saying lately. Um, uh, he gave a couple speeches, one particularly this uh, was about a week, a week and a half ago, that was brutally aggressive. It was a brutally aggressive uh, speech. Um, he said that this is not the end of the war, Ukraine-Russian conflict. He said, this is the beginning of the war. And, um, he's, and then he started to introduce something that we've not heard uh, pooty-poot. That's what George Bush used to call him. Uh, I always loved that. Uh, it's not what Putin actually, he's never really said this as much until this last couple of weeks, he's saying we're seeing the beginning of, a, of the process of a new world order. Did you guys hear him say that? This is interesting. Uh, you know, I, I've been watching who says that. Uh, I remember, uh, remember when George Bush the first uh, said that. Uh, and we were all like, wow, what's our president saying new world order? And what do we want to have anything to do with that? Because we know what that means prophetically. That is going to happen. There will be a new world order according to the book of Revelation. Um, and I've done whole uh, talks on that in previous Prophecy Updates, so I'm not gonna dive into that. But, but for, for Putin to talk about a new world order is interesting to me, um, especially when you kind of think about some of the stuff we've been talking about, who else has been talking about a new world order? The exact opposite of the playing field uh, says the same thing. Um, we'll talk about that. There's a juxtaposition that's interesting to me, uh, and both sides are talking about new world order. One's more globalism, and one's more uh, annihilation. <laughs> one's more utopianism, theoretically, and the other one's more dystopian. Uh, but they're both talking about a new world order. This is interesting and something to take note of uh, for sure. But with all this, um, um, th like this is just one example. I, I could have given you 20 of these little video snippets, but the tone that this news guy, I, I, it kind of cracks me up, but, but this is the tone you're hearing from all the agencies talking about some of the stuff that, uh, that uh, Biden has even said in uh, recent days. I just brought a, a one, one video clip here that kind of summarizes what you're hearing all across the news agencies. Here you go. This morning, a stark warning from President Biden about President Putin's repeated nuclear threats. Mr. Biden saying, we have the direct threat of the use of a nuclear weapon 
if in fact things continue down the path they are going. The president making the comments off camera at a democratic fundraiser, adding, we have not faced the prospect of Armageddon since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis. That was 60 years ago, 1962, one of the most dangerous confrontations of the Cold War. President Putin, who turns 70 today, has threatened to use any means at his disposal and says the US created a precedent by using nuclear weapons in Japan during World War II. President Biden saying he's not joking when he talks about the use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological or chemical weapons. So this is, this is fairly typical. You know, this, here's this breathless news guy talking about all these horrible things, but that's kind of how everybody's sounding right now because... Now, this is kind of interesting. When was the last time a president of the United States says, I think we could be nearing Armageddon? Now, this, is, this, this, this was not said in a public setting, uh, I should say, or on a microphone with a TV. It was at a private Democratic uh, fundraiser, uh, and he said it, uh, and people wrote it down and said, here's what the president said. You know, we're facing Armageddon. Now, <clears throat> here's the thing. I'm, uh, you know, if I weren't a Christian, I'd be really concerned for one of two reasons. One why would the president of the United States be talking about the possibility of Armageddon if it wasn't real and the real threat of it? Or two, maybe the president's crazy and he's using the talk about Armageddon. Either one's not a great perspective. <laughs> We're facing Armageddon or the president of the United States has lost his mind. Um, now, if you're a good president, you're not going around, oh my God, like you don't, you don't do that. If you're the president of the United States, you should probably be a little more measured and not use language like Armageddon. I'm just, I'm just trying to help, help him out if he's listening. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe he could take some advice. Uh, keep low profile the Armageddon thing, uh, uh, Joseph, uh, just telling you. But, um, but the, the thing is, what's interesting about this in, uh, in, in this, you know, Putin's speeches, uh, you know, it, he, he says directly, Putin says, I am not bluffing when he talks about the use of nuclear weapons. Does, does, when, when, when Putin the last week or two has been in his speeches, two speeches particularly, one was particularly aggressive and anybody that had it translated or you read the transcript of his speech, it should make people nervous. Um, because he made real, very real threats about using nuclear weapons and uh, Putin's not messing around. And he says he's not bluffing. The question is, does the Biden administration believe that he's not bluffing? And so what are they, what are they doing? Well, we got the president running around at fundraisers going, we're facing Armageddon. Um, and did you see this Telegraph article? The US splashes $290 million on anti-radiation drugs after Putin ups nuclear threats. Um, this is the United States State Department buying $290 million of, um, of a, uh, uh, an, actually it's a drug manufactured by a California pharmaceutical company, uh, Amgen. Uh, but it was basically, uh, the purchase comes after Putin re uh, renewed his, his threat of nuclear war. Um, in a speech, speech last month where he vowed this. He said, I vow to use all our weapons, all our means at our disposal to protect Russia and his people. This is not a bluff, Putin said. In fact, um, you know, um, September 21st, uh, just a few weeks ago, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced that 300,000 reservists would be drafted into the army in a partial mobilization as he warned uh, the West. He was not bluffing over nuclear weapons. Um, now, 
some of you are, are buying the whole thing that some of the press and media is saying that, man, look at the Russian army. They're totally weak and they don't know what they're doing. And the, look, we got them surrounded and, and they're, go, they're all going down and the Russians are running for their lives. I, I, I just want to tell you, don't be duped by that. Um, there's a lot more to the Russian army than what we've seen thus far. Um, there, there, if, if you actually listen to what a lot of the experts are saying that really know and not the talking heads at you know, MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, but... Um, they haven't even dusted off their shiny weapons yet. They're still using old, worn out, they're getting rid of their old weapon arsenal, a lot of the weapons from even the 80s they're using. And, um, and you know, they're not even calling this a war. Did you know the Russian, you know, President Vladimir Putin is not even calling the Ukrainian issue a war. Uh, it's an operation, uh, uh, you know, and, um, and uh, but, but with the way the West and NATO and stuff has responded to what Putin's doing, uh, Putin is sort of like, if you could picture, uh, he's feeling sort of like a caged bear or, or a cornered bear, uh, if, if I could use that analogy. Um, and some people are trying to present him as crazy, insane. Um, you know, maybe he is, I don't know. Um, and one thing I have to say, because, uh, you know, I always get this from our Russians in our church and our Ukrainians. Um, uh, Pastor Brett, what do you think about the Russian-Ukrainian conflict? It's really bad, that's what I'm gonna say about it. Well, whose side are you on? Neither, uh, I, I'm on the Lord's side, whatever that is, and I'm not even sure. Uh, and, and, and by the way, I haven't you know, made a lot of statements about the Ukrainian-Russian situation because I don't know that I fully understand it. And let me just tell you, um, I have talked to a lot of, you know, if you're Ukrainian here, I've already got hundreds of emails from you Ukrainian guys. I love you guys, love the Ukrainians. Um, but I have not gotten a real clear direction from my best friends that are Ukrainians. They're still, you know, a lot of disagreement about what's actually going on here. But what I do know is warfare is ugly, horrible, and, uh, and it's heartbreaking to see what's going on in Ukraine. Um, so uh, one of the things that people say, why don't you talk more about it in the prophecy updates? Uh, I have talked some about it, but I also am trying to focus on things that relate to biblical prophecy. And I'm not sure I see the connection as much except for Russia, Russia, Russia. Russia is in Bible prophecy, and it's not as much talking about its conflict with Ukraine, but what Russia will do. And this is some of the stuff we're seeing. And, if, if, and sometimes I, I think that some of our Ukrainian friends think that I'm sort of siding with Putin somehow. Uh, I am not. I'm just gonna say that. Um, Putin is posturing to do something that I see in the Bible that's one of the most dastardly evil things that's gonna happen in the world history. And is it Putin who does it? I don't know. But if you read the Gog-Magog invasion of Ezekiel 38, 39, um, we're postured for one of the most horrible things that's gonna happen in world history. And Putin might be, I'm not saying he is, uh, he could be assassinated tomorrow and we'd have to change our notes. Um, but I'm just saying there's a posturing that Putin is doing to do something that's very dastardly as it relates to Israel, which is gonna kick off a bunch of end times events. So that's, that's my objective. So um, it's, if you can sort of, as much as you can try to follow that we're, we're following what the Bible says about the end times and, and Bible prophecy as it relates to Russia. Um, is he nuts? Is he crazy? Um, I wanted to show you a clip, and this is him talking in Russian, so only half of our congregation will understand this. <laughs> we have a lot of Russian Ukrainians in our church, which I love that. Uh, the Slavic community is a major part of our church, actually. We love that. Um, but uh, I wanted you to see this guy, because I don't think he's nuts. I think he's very measured, and I think he's tactical, and I think he, um, 
You know, if you know some of the things about what NATO has promised and what, we're, what we've not kept as, uh, as far as NATO goes and stuff, um, you should be, this, I, I think this should, should make people concerned that he's very calculated and he's not running around the Kremlin insane as some of the news agencies try to put it. You can just, this is just a short snippet of, of one of his speeches in the last week and a half. Речь идет не только о поощряемых Западом обстрелах Запорожской атомной электростанции, что грозит атомной катастрофой, но и о высказываниях некоторых высокопоставленных представителей ведущих государств НАТО о возможности и допустимости применения против России оружия массового поражения, ядерного оружия. Тем, кто позволяет себе такие заявления в отношении России, хочу напомнить, что наша страна также располагает различными средствами поражения, а по отдельным компонентам и более современными, чем у стран НАТО. И при угрозе территориальной целостности нашей страны для защиты России и нашего народа мы, безусловно, используем все имеющиеся в нашем распоряжении средства. Это не блеф. So I know what some of you are thinking, propaganda, Pastor Bray, you're being sucked into the Russian, Putin's propaganda. Uh, here's the thing about propaganda. You know who's really good at propaganda is the United States. Man, don't believe anything you hear uh, here in the United States because talk about, we're, we're, we, we might even do better than old Vladimir uh, on, on propaganda. And uh, I see propaganda all over the place, whether it's the Ukrainian people or the Russian people or the United States, where might be the worst. United States would probably the worst at propaganda. But, but propaganda aside, most people that study these things would say propaganda, whatever, he does have nuclear weapons more than anybody else in the world, uh, and he's, he's ready to use them, and he's claiming that. You, you would be totally remiss as a nation or a military leader or whatever to just hear a threat from a guy who's literally got these weapons that are very high-tech and extremely powerful, um, and just say, oh, we don't, we, that's just propaganda. That would be not responsible to uh, consider this. You say, Brett, what does this have to do with the Bible? Well, the Bible talks about in the Gog-Magog conflict, there's gonna be nuclear weapons used. The Bible says that? No, but it does say in Ezekiel 39, after that war, there's gonna be mopping up that's gonna be really odd, and biblical characters would have said, why do we have to do it this way? Um, do you remember in Ezekiel 39 what it says? It says there'll be this weird, when, when people are killed, there's gonna be bodies laying all over the mountains of Israel, which is the West Bank, by the way. Um, and those bodies are gonna be strewn, and if somebody finds a body, don't touch it, it says. But you put a flag there and, and mark it as a body, and then the professional barriers will come. And in, in a six-month period, it's a lot of work to bury these dead bodies from this war. And the, the implication is radioactive uh, you know, material and, and danger in the bodies that are gonna be strewn in the Gog-Magog invasion. Um, most of us that read the Bible and the account of that uh, pretty much agree that that, that really describes the, the situation of a nuclear exchange uh, in the Gog-Magog invasion of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Again, you can go to our other teachings in Ezekiel uh, 38 and 39 and, and hear what that's all about if you've missed that. Um, but all that to say, in these speeches, um, Putin has gone over a lot of interesting things. For example, he, uh, and, and this is where you have to be careful uh, as a, you know, a Christian. Some of you might find yourself going, man, I kind of agree with Pooty Poot. Some of the things he's saying. 
he sounds like a Christian, just like you and me. Have you guys heard this? Uh, I wanna warn you because he's, he's really not a Christian like you and me. Uh, he, he, he's got a different kind of set of beliefs, but um, when he talks about Western morals in these speeches, uh, he says now they have uh, moved on entirely to a radical denial of moral norms, religion, and family. This is what Putin is saying. And he's right about this, by the way. This, this is, he, he's right. It's, Americans have moved away from moral, uh, traditional family values. Um, he said, the dictatorship of the Western elites is directed against all societies, including the peoples of the Western countries themselves. Now, by the way, he's probably referring to um, the George Soros's and the Bill Gates and the, uh, the Davos and the, um, and the World Economic Forum and all these powers that be, uh, along with the woke crowd. Uh, he's, he's kind of clumping all this together. He says, um, you know, Western countries are pushing this insanity on, on uh, the Eastern countries and the rest of the world, and even the people that don't wanna believe that stuff in the Western countries. So he's talking about you and me. This, you know, we don't believe in this whole wokeism and all the craziness that we're seeing. He's, it's almost like he's trying to appeal to us, interestingly enough, if you listen to his speeches. Um, he says, this is challenging to all. It's a complete denial of humanity and overthrow of faith and traditional values. Indeed, the suppression of freedom itself <clears throat> has taken on the features of a religion of outright Satanism. <laughs> Preach it, brother. <laughs> like, like we listen to that and go, yeah, pretty much. Uh, that's, that's right. Um, but don't be, don't be, just because you hear this, it doesn't mean that you should be rah, rah Putin. Even, this, this is probably part of his propaganda deal. Uh, if you wanna know what propaganda looks like. Um, he, he goes on. Do we really want here in our country, Russia, um, instead of mom and dad, to have parent number one, parent number two, and parent number three. Um, have they gone completely insane, he said. Do we really want uh, it drilled into children in our schools that there are supposedly genders besides women and men and chosen to be offered the chance to undergo sex change operations? We have a different future, our own future. And this is where this speech starts going into um, not only a defiance of Western values, and I call it Western values, which sounds like something good. I'm, I'm gonna agree with them. Our Western values, we've lost our way. We've totally lost our way. Our values are totally wacko um, as a country. It's, it's sad to say that, but it's just true. Um, so um, Putin declared war basically on that world of you know the sex change operations. Like he's saying, we will not allow this in the world um, that exists beyond this new declared new world order that he's talking about. And then, then he says, and by the way, you know, I'm not alone on this. And he says, China and North Korea are on my side. Um, if I want many of the Muslim Islamic countries, including Turkey, will be on my side, he said. India is on my side and many other forces, he goes on to say. And so what we're starting to see is this, uh, the sides of this new world order or globalizations, which one is it? I'm gonna, I'm, gonna kinda, I'm gonna call sort of the, if you can sort of look at the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates and Davos and all this stuff, if we can sort of call them globalists, we're gonna sort of call um, Putin uh, more of a new world order guy, at least from this point moving forward. It just seems like that, that's kind of the main difference. Um, you know, um, you know, in the Jerusalem Post, there was an article, by the way, about Putin's nuclear arsenal. And, you know, what is Russia doing right now? 
But um, this was kind of an interesting thing. Maybe you saw this uh, October 2nd, um, or maybe it was October 1st. I think it was actually October 1st, but uh, it was recent, not last week. Um, Israeli intelligence, which I always love reading about in Israeli intelligence. They're the ones that seem to always get it right, by the way. Uh, the Mossad sort of knows what they're doing. Uh, have you guys watched this series called Mossad? Uh, it was it on, I forget if it was on Amazon or Netflix. I don't want to encourage Netflix really, but uh, the, if you get a chance to watch the series called Mossad, it basically interviews, it's a documentary about the Mossad, it interviews a bunch of old Mossad agents, and it's fascinating. Uh, there's no uh, intelligence agency that's really like that. Uh, they're, they're second to none, really. But the Israeli intelligence firm uh, ImageSat and International ISI said that it had detected an irregular presence of Russian Tu-160 and Tu-95 strategic bombers deployed to the Olenya Air Base near Finland. Now, this is, this is a big deal, and maybe you saw this on the news because this is such a big deal. You say, well, what's the big deal? Um, these are interesting. The Tu-160 uh, and the Tu-95. The Tu-95 is the one with the propellers on it, um, and then the Tu-160 is the one that is more of a jet. They're uh, propelled with jet engines. But um, basically, the Tu-160 is a multi-mission strategic bomber, Russian, um, uh, you know, designed for operations ra ranging from subsonic speeds and low altitude speeds over, uh, over Mach 1 at super high altitudes. Um, the two weapons bays uh, can accommodate different mission-specific tools, um, uh, including uh, strategic cruise missiles, uh, short-range guided missiles, nuclear and conventional bombs, and mines. Um, and one of the things that happened here is um, the Israeli intelligence and their, their spy network, they saw these, and they got these pictures up in the upper left-hand corner there, these pictures of this uh, airstrip, seeing these uh, planes um, kind of freaked everybody out because this means that Putin is up to something and, it, and these planes usually mean nuclear weapons are being uh, you know, readied and stuff like that. So it put the world on notice. Now, whether he did this and knowing that the Israelis would see it in their satellite imagery and catch it, and he did it to freak everybody out, or is he really planning to do maneuvers and use tactical nukes? That's what everybody's kind of worried about is um, the Ukrainian conflict. Um, he, everybody's kind of worried that he'll start using what is called tactical nukes. And one of the things he keeps saying in a speech, like you heard in that one news clip that I started with tonight, that he started saying, we can do this because the United States did it twice. Uh, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, World War II. So we have the right to use nuclear weapons just like the United States did. I would argue that we were in a very different situation. Uh, we didn't attack Japan, they attacked us. That's one little difference. And uh, we could argue about that. But, um, but all that to say, it's a, it's a different situation, but Putin's putting it as the same. It's like, we can use nuclear weapons because the United States uh, did as well. So this is put, putting the world on edge. In New York, they're talking about doing nuclear drills in schools. Uh, some of us are old enough here in the room to remember in the 1980s during the Cold War. Uh, duck and cover and run under your desk, like that's gonna help you. Um, <laughs> the nuclear weapon going off your little desk in school. You're, you know, I remember one, one teacher telling us, he made a joke that you're all gonna have blue eyes, one blue this way and one blue that way. Uh, I was like, yeah, that's... That's about right uh, with a nuclear weapon, but um, sorry if I freak some of you guys out with that, but your desk is not gonna help in that situation. 
<laughs> um, but all that to say, the world is freaking out because of some of these operations, some of the things that's going on. So there you go. Now, in addition to Russian threats and the nuclear weapons and stuff like that, the next thing that's big on the news, and you've all seen this, and I just want to talk about this briefly, is the Nord Stream is busted. You say, okay, what's the Nord Stream? Well, just really quick, it's a pipeline that the Russians have been using to supply Europe with gas. Um, and uh, it's, it's a major uh, supplier of gas. Now there's two pipelines, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2. For the record, Nord, Nord Stream 1 has been broken or shut down already for a while. Um, but Nord Stream 2 has been uh, fl flowing with uh, gas uh, there through the Baltic Sea. But on September 26th, uh, just a few weeks ago, um, someone sabotaged these two gas pipelines to Europe. Uh, detonations caused recent ruptures of Russia's Nord Stream gas pipelines. Um, both pipelines were uh, ruptured. Even though Nord Stream 1 was already kind of broken and not functional, whoever did this made sure Nord Stream 1 wasn't, uh, wasn't gonna be fixed anytime soon. So you can, if we zoom in on this where the blasts were, um, you can see there were three blasts and um, there, the one uh, blast on the Nord Stream uh, 1 and then a couple others on Nord Stream 2. All that to say, um, no gas now is flowing. And maybe you've all seen the imagery uh, there of the gas that's bubbling up out of the Baltic Sea. Uh, there's three of these little gas bubblers um, and, uh, and now the gas has been shut off. You say, whatever. Uh, so, so the big question is, who did it? You know, who, who done it is the question. Um, and a lot of people are kind of worried that the United States did it and we're acting, we're kind of acting like we didn't. Um, but the reason, one of the reasons that people think the United States did it is if, if you know, and you've, you've seen the news snippets that Biden said, uh, if he goes to Ukraine, we're gonna shut down the Nord Stream pipeline. And uh, some reporters asked Biden, well, how are you gonna do that? And he just kind of looked at her and said, we're gonna shut it down. Uh, and she kind of, everybody's like, well, wow. And then so now that he went into Ukraine and now it's been sabotaged. So a lot of people are saying, the United States has done this. Others are trying to say, Putin did it to himself. I'm not sure that's what happened. Um, but uh, I don't wanna get too much bogged down in that. Um, Russian officials are saying, and now if Russia did it to themselves, uh, which I don't think they did, but if they did, um, the only reason I can think of, uh, and, and I've, I've been watching some of the talking heads sort of debate this, but the only thing I can think of is, is sort of gives Russia an excuse to do whatever they want to with other pipelines around the world. And Russian officials said, uh, they actually said this, this gives them the right to destroy other countries' gas lines like America and Great Britain. Uh, these gas lines are international in international waters and they're largely not protected. Really, you just need some like uh, Navy SEAL team type guys to scuba dive down and plant explosives on the, these pipelines and once you blow them, uh, it's gonna be a long time before they're operational again. Um, uh, now, now, here's another thing that's kind of interesting. If Russia is thinking the Ukrainians did this, um, then this is, this is the biggest fear uh, that, that uh, kind of makes uh, you know, people worry. I already told you that Russia's not calling their conflict with Ukraine a war. They're calling it a limited operation. But it's almost like Putin and Russia is, I should say mostly Putin, because I'm not sure all the Russians are really on board with this. Um, in fact, um, most probably are not. Um, there's, there's rumor, and I shouldn't be getting off on this, it's gonna take way too much time, but did you guys hear about, there was, th th shockingly, there's rumor that one of the upper Russian officials um, uh, 
sort of confronted Vladimir Putin and said, you're doing this wrong, which you don't do that in Russia. Uh, if you do that to Putin, you're gonna have poison coffee like tomorrow morning uh, and you're gonna wake up dead. Uh, that happens to these leaders in, in Russia. Uh, but there's rumor that there's, uh, you know, whether it's true or not, who knows. Um, but if Russia thinks Ukraine did this, they will, they will then use an excuse to move from a limited operation, as they're calling it, to an all-out war. Um, and again, I'm not sure we've seen the real power of the full Russian military yet. Uh, I think we're being duped by a lot of the news agencies kind of acting like Russia. Look at them, they're really weak. We thought they were a powerful nation. Look at them, they're totally failing and stuff like that. I'm not convinced that that's really the true picture. Um, but this Nord Stream 2 pipeline thing has some far-reaching consequences. Uh, one of the consequences I talked about in our last prophecy update, remember I showed you the, the Germans running around looking for firewood because they know this winter is gonna be cold and there, there's massive energy shortages and they're all getting ready to freeze this winter. Like, like there's people saying this will be the worst winter in German history because of their uh, lack of energy and fuel and what have you. Um, Question, who's been helping out with energy in Europe? Anybody? Israel. Now there's a funny thing going on. Israel is becoming a, um, what, what should we call it? Uh, energy superpower in the world. It's kind of amazing. Now, um, one of the things that's happening is the Israelis are shipping gas down to uh, Egypt and then the Egyptians are shipping it to other places. Um, it's, it's sort of like laundering money. Uh, some people don't want gas from the Israelis, but they'll buy it from the Egyptians. And the Egyptians aren't afraid to buy gas from the Israelis, so they get all the gas from Israelis and then, then they disperse it. It's kind of a funny political thing that's going on there. But um, Israel, one thing you should note, and this does play into uh, the end time scenario, Israel's becoming this energy superpower in the midst of Europe being starved of energy. And with a, as a world power, Israel supplying Europe with natural gas uh, through Egypt, um, it does make you wonder, could this be one of the things, with the Nord Stream shut down, Russia not supplying Europe with, um, with gas, and you know, one of the reasons I don't think Russia did this is because Russia didn't have to blow up their pipeline, they could have just turned it off. Um, and, um, and they did. It's like Russia used the pipeline as sort of a barter chip or whatever. How much gas will I allow to flow through the Nord Stream? He was, he was using it kind of uh, in real time to sort of make adjustments. Um, now there's no gas flowing, but could this be one of the things that's the hook in the bear's jaw that draws Russia down to Israel? Um, and remember, they come to take a spoil, right? Take off the S and the P and you got oil. Uh, maybe that's what it is, I don't know. Um, now, with these very real threats, um, I, I, by the way, I think the average American, um, um, I'm kind of shocked by this, uh, but even saying it, but I don't think the average American even knows anything about anything we're talking about. Do you guys get a sense of that? Like, like um, this, the scariest things I see in the news are when these guys go to the, word, the man on the street and start interviewing people. You know, who's the president of the United States? Harry Truman, like, like seriously, people do not know who the vice president is and stuff. So, so I'm not real optimistic that they know about the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and that Putin just gave a speech saying he's gonna you know, blow up the world and that our president said we're facing Armageddon. Most people have no idea that this is happening and, and we've become so accustomed to ignorance and we've become so accustomed to radical speech that I think some of the speeches we're hearing were just kind of numb. We're not even really going, oh yeah, another talk about Armageddon, you know, well. <laughs> um, 
you know, and I guess if we're gonna get blown up, we're gonna get blown up. Like there's people that are kind of just sort of uh, uh, non-caring about this. Um, but, but uh, you know, here's the thing. What's the United States and what's, what's our, you know, president and his cabinet and his administration, what are they doing about the Armageddon comment that President Biden made? What are we doing? Well, the answers uh, are shockingly kind of nothing. If anything, we're putting gas on the fire. That, that seems to be what we're doing. We just keep putting gas on the fire. Uh, and, and this administration, you know, even the Democrats are saying, yeah, we're kind of handling this really bad. And people are starting to sweat because it is so dastardly. But meanwhile, now this is where we start to shift gears in our direction of this prophecy update, but they're not unrelated. Meanwhile, we have very real threats that people that know stuff are, are kind of freaking out right now. But if there's one thing this administration is really worried about and concerned about, well, or maybe a couple things, well, that brings us to the, to the next uh, topic of discussion, climate change lockdowns that are coming. We're concerned, uh, man, you know, you, you hear, you know, you hear our, our president say, oh yeah, we could be facing Armageddon, but oh well. Um, and then he kind of stumbles off the stage and figures out where he's going or whatever. After he says something like that, leaves us all kind of hanging, uh, Armageddon, what are we gonna do? Uh, I don't know, but climate change is even more of a threat. Um, as I looked outside today, I thought, man, I, I like the climate change. This is, this is beautiful today. So, so, um, so what, what's happening? It seems almost as if um, the United States and, and this current administration and our leaders in this country, there's this colossal distraction that they're all focusing on that uh, most of us kind of question whether it's, there's any legitimacy whatsoever. Um, but why would, would they want to distract? Boy, we could get into that. You know, why do they want the United States general public to be distracted? Well, because of elections, because of power and uh, this uh, overreach of power grab that's been, we've been watching the last couple of years, money. Uh, there's reasons why the government is, I believe there's so much corruption. Um, they don't want you worried about the real stuff. They want the world to be panicked over something that's even more, more deadly than the coronavirus, more deadly than uh, the Russian threat, more deadly than what's going on in Ukraine. It's the threat of climate change. And we're seeing that over and over and over. Um, and so what you're hearing, the, the, the word on the street is climate change is gonna bring lockdowns in very much the same way or, or in the similar spirit of lockdowns we had during the COVID thing. Um, and it's, it's funny because, um, you know, there's, <laughs> why did I have to give the bad kids all that coal? You know, here's Santa, you know, uh, floating on the North Pole of, the, of what's left of it, you know. Um, there's, there's people that, like to me, it, it's almost laughable to see what they're trying to say about climate change. Just, if you want a good laugh, just watch Inconvenient Truth from Al Gore. How many years ago is that now? 20 something years ago. And it, when you watch it, you realize how horribly wrong he was because now it's 20 years later and he just didn't know what he was talking about. Why would anybody ever listen to him? Well, as it turns out, there's, there's a, 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 a list of people that are sort of the climate change gurus that are basically telling the world, we've got to do this or else we're all going to die, you know, and uh, you know, what have you. With all these very real threats, why are we so focused on this? Um, the past two years, by the way, have been a checklist for the worst impulses of government and public sentiment. You know, COVID allowed for uh, supposedly temporary measures that we all watched morph 
into sort of emergency restrictions that are, some of them are still lasting to this day. Like, like it's an amazing thing to watch some of the stuff that, that happened with the restrictions and the loss of freedom. Um, but what if, and here's something that I, I've been concerned about. What if COVID and the restrictions and lockdowns, what if that was just the opening act? What if that was just a trial run or a test balloon to see what would happen and how, how it would work? Um, you know, all they need is another proclaimed crisis and we could see some interesting uh, things start changing uh, and freedom starting to be lost. Implementing, uh, this is what you'll see, implementing of significant but partial restrictions one by one in the name of common good um, sort of allow for an overreaching government who wants control. And this is something you have to understand. This is where Bible prophecy comes in again. For the, the Bible scenario, when you read uh, the book of Daniel and Daniel chapter two and the nations that are gonna be taken out and the kingdom of God eventually coming and being set up, or you're reading the book of Revelation and the way it's all gonna roll out, one of the things that has to happen is a sort of new world order that has total control over the population. Um, that's, that's just something that's gonna have to happen. So when we see this kind of weird uh, attempt to get control over people, nations, and what have you, and their behaviors, um, what is it gonna be that gets everybody to jump on board? Fear over climate change uh, could be long-term soft lockdowns, um, you know, uh, and it's growing support uh, in, in government, state actions, and uh, there's calls, there are already calls being made for harsh government measures in the name of saving the environment that are already um, you know, in the parlance of the influential organizations and the figures. Some of the big figures that are leading the way, I'll, I'll just show you some of the big ones you can, remember Klaus Schwab, we talked about him last time. Uh, he looks like a guy I'd trust. Um, if you're, you know, Austin Powers looking for a villain, villain, uh, there you go. Uh, but he's, he's Mr. You know, climate change. And, and then of course, Bill Gates is at the uh, center of the discussion and he's, he's making his arguments, you know, that we need to stop eating meat. That's why I don't like him. Um, he's, he's the worst guy on the planet if you ask me because he's trying to take my tomahawk steaks away. Um, uh, that's when you know the rapture is near. When, uh, when you can't have a good ribeye steak. Um, uh, you know, uh, others that we've seen, of course, Al Gore, John Kerry, and AOC. Um, these are people that, you know, AOC is the one that said, you know, three or four years ago now, she said that, uh, you know, the, the world is gonna be over in 12 years. Um, these people are constantly making predictions. It's funny to me how we Bible prophecy guys are accused of making predictions. And, and uh, what's interesting is I, I don't really make predictions. I say, here's what the Bible says, and this is what's gonna be happening in the future. And in the past 27 years of me doing prophecy updates, I've been kind of shocked, even myself, how accurate the Bible actually is. And there's so much that I was talking about in prophecy updates 27 years ago that now everybody's like, oh yeah, that's just totally in place now. And, and it's almost like we've become numb to that. In the Bible of the Old Testament, the prophets, if they gave a wrong prophecy, they would be taken out and stoned to death. Um, but I'm not making predictions. I'm just saying what the Bible says about the future. That's what my job is. But these people are making predictions, Al Gore and AOC, and they've been proven wrong over and over and over again. Somebody should sit up and say, wait a minute, why should we be listening to them on locking down the nations? How are they locking us down? We'll talk about that in November of 2020, the Red Cross proclaimed that climate change is a bigger threat than COVID and should be confronted with the same urgency. 
Um, Al Jazeera hard article, interestingly enough, uh, global warming, bigger threat than coronavirus. Red Cross says this. Red Cross says the world has been hit by more than 100 climate change related disasters since the World Health, or- Health Organization declared the pandemic. Um, so uh, every fire that was in the woods, that was climate change. Um, now as an Oregonian who used to fight fires when I was a kid, cut fire line and watch the Bore bombers dropping, you know, retardant uh, on the uh, fires in my backyard in the mountains of Applegate. Like, I'm pretty, I was pretty close to this, um, watching fire stuff. The, the reason we were able to get fires out quicker is because we had a thing called logging. And when we logged, we would have logging roads cut everywhere and they would clear out all the fuel, the roughage that was under the forest. In fact, uh, they were constantly doing slash burns back when I was a kid, keeping the forests uh, they used to kind of manage the forest in sort of a way that if a fire started, it was actually quite a bit easier to get those out. Now, after all these years of the spotted owl and logging being mostly shut down, we're watching the forest uh, burn. It's a powder keg now, the way the forests are now. Um, I wasn't gonna get into that. So again, I'm gonna be later for everything I talk about that I wasn't planning on talking about. Be that as it may, um, you know, uh, it's funny how the, the more we try to meddle with the world uh, and its situation, and, and, and then we leave things, you know, that we already know, um, the Red Cross blames all of that stuff. Fires, uh, you know, uh, hurricanes like Ian, that's all part of climate change. Even though um, that's, the evidence is not stacking up, I'll, I'll talk about that. Um, speaking of Bill Gates, Bill Gates recently demanded dramatic measures to prevent climate change, claiming it'll be worse than the pandemic. He said, a global crisis has shocked the world. It is causing a tragic number of deaths, making people afraid to leave home and leading to economic hardship not seen in many generations. The effect are ripping across the world, obviously, says I'm talking about COVID-19. But in just a few decades, the same description will fit another global crisis, climate change. As awful as this pandemic is, climate change will be worse. That's the posturing um, that you're seeing. Uh, If you've been carefully watching the narrative, you'll see posturing like this. Um, Have you heard this one? Lockdowns, which significantly reduced carbon emissions during 2020, could be the solution. Uh, When we all went home and locked down, suddenly, in fact, the uh, Reuters did an article. uh, I thought this was laughable. If you ask me, all these so-called scientists that are saying, we studied this. Um, Breath of fresh air, lockdown pollution slump may have saved 800 lives, study says. More than 800 deaths may have been, there's a scientific term, more than 800 deaths may have been avoided thanks to better air quality during Europe's first coronavirus lockdown. The European Union's uh, uh, Copernicus Climate Change Service said, by comparing people's exposure to air pollution between February and July of 2020 across 47 major, major cities, scientists concluded that government measures to limit the spread of the virus protected people from deadly pollution. Um, so they're saying that they could somehow calculate. I, I'm a little leery of this, just the numbers and all this as a logical person that they know that, oh, wow, we saved 800 lives. Uh, um, I, I don't know about that. Um, but, uh, but what's gonna happen? When, when, what they're arguing is the lockdowns of coronavirus, that was part of the solution to climate change. We need more of this. So what you're seeing, what is this gonna look like? This is what everybody's talking about. I'm just giving you kind of a fair warning. Will this happen? Don't know. Am I making a prediction? Not really. I'm just saying what they're saying. Here's what they're saying. Um, We're going to go back to a gradual and discreet ramp up of restrictions. 
um, we're gonna start seeing more and more restrictions on things like working from home again. <laughs> some of you loved that, some of you hated that, um, but you know, we all adapted. Um, what do climate uh, lockdowns look like? Well, working from home is one of those things. Um, here's a, one of the ways people have prepared uh, working from home. <laughs> during, the, <laughs> during the early days of the pandemic, millions of Americans worked from home and, and, um, and, 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 and a lot of companies, they're still doing it. Zoom meetings, a lot of companies, people haven't returned to the office uh, by, the, by the thousands of people. Also, one of the things you're gonna see is taxing people into submission. That's one of the things you'll see. Taxing, such taxing could be imposed on companies, limiting driving uh, uh, you know, of their employees to, to work. Uh, they'll tax companies for air miles for their employees traveling around to sale or do sales or whatever. Um, and uh, also they'll, uh, uh, they'll not want you driving your car to work. You'll get hit with a tax. So taxes is one thing they're, they're talking very much about. How can we tax the daylights out of people that are leaving a bigger carbon footprint? Um, another thing you'll see is schools uh, imposing online only days. Um, we have a lot of teachers here at Athey Creek and um, um, everybody in education that's honest is saying there's like fifth graders that don't even know how to read. Um, and it's because of the last several years of the education that was not happening. Um, like it, it's so bad. I feel so sad for this group of grade school kids that are coming up right now because a lot of them don't even know how to read and they're in fifth, sixth grade. Um, and it's because of this so-called online education. Um, you know, I, I know teachers that have worked really hard at making the online Zoom class as, uh, as good as they knew. But it, you know, what it did is the kids that were really driven and, and uh, studied and are smart and doing well already, they did okay. But most of the students who are uh, not doing as well and struggle, they just went completely backwards. We have, we have a whole generation of kids right now that are uh, hurting because um, of online school that doesn't work. Um, uh, so children could be impacted by climate lockdowns. Schools, um, especially influenced, by the way, by the teachers' unions um, that could, they really want to impose, teachers' unions uh, are a joke. If you're a teacher, could you pray about not being part of the teachers' unions? Um, you don't have to be. If you didn't know this, you don't have to pay the dues. Um, and there's other agencies that, that you can pay into that will help protect you as a teacher. Um, and uh, if you want more information on that, uh, call the church office and we can help you with that. Uh, because I, um, when I was an education major and stuff, I remember thinking uh, the, I didn't want anything to do with the NEA. Uh, they're as godless as any institution uh, out there. So be careful on that one. But we've watched during the coronavirus, we saw kind of the way they worked and it was not pretty in the schools, if you ask me. Uh, another thing you're gonna see is rolling blackouts. Um, you know, at the same time, uh, like kind of in California style, rolling blackouts uh, because of energy. Uh, you know, the, the, the problem is they're wanting to cut energy, but they're not, they're not coming up with realistic solutions of how to power your home. Solar, wind, what happens if the sun doesn't shine and the wind doesn't blow? Um, solar energy and wind energy will never replace, um, you know, our, our power grid right now. And that's why California, did you see what's going on in California? Um, you know, this is kind of interesting. California asked residents to avoid charging electric vehicles due to blackout risk uh, days after unveiling new gas car ban. Uh, th this is typical California, by the way. Um, um, and California, along with um, many other states, are starting to talk about when they're gonna unveil their control over what cars you buy. 
um, as you know, fossil fuels and nuclear power uh, go by the wayside. And by the way, nuclear power is one of the most amazing clean energy solutions. And we're just like rejecting that uh, without even really thinking about it. Um, consumers may be prevented from buying. In California, they're already saying it's a rule. Uh, you can't buy gasoline cars, lawnmowers, or chainsaws. Um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, significant measures are already being planned to combat climate change. California bans the sale of gasoline cars in 13 years. Germany and Britain plans to do the same just in the next eight years. They're gonna ban gasoline cars. Um, so, you know, this Daily Wire article basically uh, just days after passing their ban, uh, now they're saying, hey, we, Tesla, stay home, don't charge your car or what are your EV because uh, we're having trouble with power. Um, what's, what's the future of this? Um, this is more control. This, this is where they can start controlling when you leave, when you go, when you drive, um, and prohibiting, eventually, this is, this, is, this is something where I'm not saying this is a prophet or, or a predictor of spiritual things. I'm just saying where, where a lot of the experts are saying that are concerned, prohibiting internal combustion engines, uh, they're saying that's gonna save the planet, the argument goes. And um, as each negative weather event, like Hurricane Ian, is blamed on climate change, the, the government will increasingly use its restrictive tools. Um, by the way, natural disasters, are they getting worse? Um, there's some interesting things, measurable things, um, and, and there are charts and graphs you can see that make it look like natural disasters are climbing uh, exponentially, but that's usually a, you know, you can make a chart and graph say anything, be careful with those, um, because we didn't really keep track of things very long ago, so, you know, we see this huge spike, but it's because we're keeping better records right now. But um, here's like an interesting measurement, while deaths from natural disasters have fallen by two-thirds over the past five decades. Over the past 50 years, there's been two-thirds less deaths. Now, some might say thanks to technological innovations, could be, um, but elites exist, uh, insist that climate change is the biggest modern threat to humankind. Um, and I could go on and on about that. Anyone, by the way, uh, this, <laughs> I'm sure, uh, the, you know, they're gonna limit this YouTube or whatever like they perhaps have done with some of our prophecy updates. Um, there's some interesting things we observe with our views and the way it happens and it swings. But, um, but anyone that talks about climate change in the way that I'm mentioning it, uh, you're called a climate denier at best and you're called a domestic terrorist at worst. Uh, that's kind of the deal. Um, and defectors, uh, eventually they're saying won't have a choice one way or the other. Um, facial recognition, license plate reading software, coupled with impressive uh, scope of drones could lead to severe enforcement of these climate change restrictions. Just like we sort of dabbled with climate or um, COVID passports and where you could go and can you fly to this country or that country or move around. We were kind of locked down and, um, and um, you know, if you don't want restrictions on your gas guzzler, the government uh, could track you down and send you automatic tickets. <laughs> um, have you ever got a ticket from running a red light or going too fast through an intersection? Can you imagine getting your ticket because you drove too many miles and get a picture? It's like that guy that got the ticket in the mail from the you know, local police and it had a picture of him and a fine. So he wrote a check out, took a picture of the check and sent it back. <laughs> um, but as it turns out, the local police had a, a sense of humor. They then took a picture and put it in an envelope and sent it back to him. And uh, he opened it up as a picture of handcuffs. Um, 
So he uh, ended up writing the uh, ticket out and sending it. But the ability of officials to, um, you know, basically control, that's one of the things that, that could be, you watch out. Because when you read the narrative of the Bible about the end times, um, you're gonna see that that's what it's about, is there's gonna be a world order that c controls you in all kinds of things. How, what you buy and sell, uh, what you eat and drink, whether you marry people or eat meat, these are all things the Bible talks about. Uh, I thought this was uh, kind of funny. Um, because, and I'm sorry if this offends you, but this, this is funny. Um, the ba Babylon Bee at it again. Martha's Vineyard takes revenge on DeSantis by shipping him 50 Karens. <laughs> um, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but, uh, but basically, don't expect the new rules that are gonna be imposed by climate change lockdowns to, uh, you know, to be, uh, applied to everyone equally. Remember during the pandemic, the elites didn't wear masks in private, only their uh, servers and drivers and cleaners wore the masks, but they were able to walk around, drive around, have their restaurants and steaks and all that stuff. It'll be the same thing. Uh, let them eat fake meat is what Bill Gates will say uh, instead of let them eat cake and stuff like that. But all that to say, if COVID could kill millions, they're gonna say, imagine the power of government when, when it could kill billions. And that's what they're trying to say. Climate change is gonna kill billions of people. We're, we're nearing, uh, what is it? Is it uh, eight billion? I think we're like this close to eight billion right now in world population. Um, so world, politicians, world leaders have figured out fear prompts the public to accept dramatic curtailing of freedoms um, for vague promises of safety. Um, and that's what I think we're gonna see used, perhaps, uh, to bring about this new world order, whether it's this uh, more d dystopian or uh, you know, utopian version. The utopian version goes more with Klaus Schwab and the, uh, the wokeism and all that. The dystopian thing goes more with Vladimir Putin and, and new world order. The point that I'm making is that you can almost see it go either way when it comes to this one world government and one world religion that the Bible talks about that's coming. Um, by the way, um, this Sky News article study talked about how COVID pandemic changed our personalities. And there's a, a study I was gonna go into a little more tonight, but I'm not gonna take a ton of time with this. But um, one of the things is our young adults particularly are the biggest victim of the COVID lockdowns. And, and, um, and, and I think that this is something that people are ignoring, some of the ramifications of what happened during COVID. Um, they're, they're totally ignoring that when they're talking about uh, these lockdowns and what have you uh, for climate change lockdowns that are coming. So we'll, we'll just keep that an eye on that, but you can kind of see how the, the posturing is for control, control over governments, world agencies, uh, control, and the Antichrist is gonna be all about control. That, that's the thing. So um, maybe the powers that be are only posturing today to ready um, the world for what's coming uh, in the book of Revelation. And that kind of brings us sort of to conclusion tonight. Whether you're talking about globalism or a new world order that Putin is now envisioning, we see the global stage being set for what the Bible predicts. Um, where does it predict that? Let me just give you a few verses. Uh, uh, Revelation 13:5 is, of course, during the tribulation period. And it says, and there was given unto him a mouth, this is the Antichrist, speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue 40 and two months. So this would be that three and a half year period of the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. 
um, this power is gonna be given to him. And you can kind of see how power is given even today. We give up uh, our autonomy and our, our authority as a free United States. The United States is one of the countries that have stood in the way of globalism because we like freedom and liberty. Uh, well, at least we used to. We used to care about that. But um, man, if you take away a few of these nations like the United States and others, uh, pretty soon we're gonna be uh, just falling hook, line, and sinker for what the Bible says is going to happen. Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 through 18. Um, uh, pardon me, verse uh, thir 13, verse seven. And it says about the Antichrist, it was given to him to make war with the saints. But I thought we were raptured. We will be raptured. But remember, there's tribulation saints. They're the, gonna be the people that accept Christ during the tribulation. We'll be in heaven. Um, but it, he'll make war with the saints to overcome them. And again, power was given to him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. So there's gonna be a one world leader this Antichrist who's gonna take authority and power and, and he's gonna abuse with that power. In fact, Revelation 13, uh, verse 16 through 18, he will cause um, all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bold, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead and, and no man might buy or sell that uh, he, uh, save he that has the mark or the name of the beast. This is where during the COVID thing, they wouldn't let certain people into stores if you didn't have the vaccine or if you didn't have a card or couldn't go uh, here or there and do that, you can kind of see how restrictions are gonna work uh, during this time. Here is wisdom, verse 18, let him that has understanding count the number um, of the beast for the number of, uh, is the number of a man and his number is 603 score and six. That's the King James way of saying the number 666. Um, First Timothy talks about some of the stuff we've touched on tonight. Uh, in First Timothy, uh, Paul says in verse one, chapter four, verse one, now the Spirit speaketh expressly in the latter times, the end times, some sh uh, shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry. That's an interesting one. Why would they forbid to marry? Um, boy, if you've not seen a war on marriage, you've um, had your head in the sand. Um, you know, it started with um, marriage and divorce where we didn't take marriage seriously anymore. Then it went to gay marriage and the Supreme Court decision. And then it talked about benefits of those who are married. And then now if you're a married person, if you're a heterosexual married person, you're the problem uh, in the world today. And like, you can kind of see how eventually you can see how they just say, let's just get rid of the institution of marriage altogether. Shouldn't shock us because marriage is an institution given by God to humanity. We shouldn't be shocked that marriage is on an endangered species, uh, people who are married before God. But here's where, this is the most scary of all prophecies in the Bible. <laughs> and commanding to abstain from eating meats, which God has created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Like, this is funny. If you've been following Bill Gates, he's saying, get rid of you know, eating real meat. And he's, he's, you know, they're trying to make this fake meat stuff. Uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, beyond meat or something like that. It's beyond belief if you ask me. Um, but uh, it looks like bologna or whatever. Um, but it's made from cabbage or something, I don't know. Um, but th that is actually happening as we speak. Uh, cow flatulence is, is contributing to global warming. AOC you know, made that clear that it's the cattle that are causing the problem in the world and stuff like that. Um, boy, uh, I, I'm, I'm shocked that people are listening to some of these scientists that are coming out talking about how the world actually needs carbon. 
um, and, uh, and, and CO2. Uh, like, like it's kind of a funny thing. There's, there's a whole group of scientists that are glumping together saying climate change is not what everybody says it is. I'm not just some dumb guy sitting in Portland. I am dumb, but I'm just saying, I'm talking about real brilliant people who are saying that climate change is not what everybody says it is. Don't just listen to your politicians about this. Uh, listen to real science. Um, and, um, and then it goes on in First uh, Timothy, the, the next part of that, um, is verse four, where it says, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused, that is to eat. <laughs> don't, don't forget the context here. We're not talking about all people are good. Uh, no, uh, every creature, animal is good and tasty. Nothing to be refused. Um, it's like PETA, if you wear a shirt, PETA, people eating tasty animals. Um, <laughs> and if we receive a thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If thou uh, put the brethren uh, in remembrance uh, of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained. Um, you know, some people say, Brett, why are you talking about this? Well, it just says it right here. I'm a, I'm a minister, I'm a pa pastor of a church, and it says, if Timothy, who's a pastor of the church at Ephesus, if you put the brothers and sisters in remembrance, in other words, remind the congregation of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. What are we supposed to remind the church? That in the last days, there's gonna be seducing spirits and there's gonna be this um, you know, forbidding to eat meat and abstaining from marriage and, and uh, refusing to eat you know, food that God ordained to be eaten. Like a good minister is gonna remind people of this um, and the congregation will then be nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine where thou hast attained. So um, globalization um, is the act of extending influence, power over all parts of the world. And we're seeing that in some of these Bible prophecies that predicts that, uh, that's, uh, that's coming uh, soon. Um, man, I could go over a lot more, but um, you know, the thing is eventually um, the, the nations are gonna come together according to the Bible, and eventually it's all gonna become one world leader, Antichrist. Um, and then he rules and is sort of this dictator, and he'll, he'll be perceived as a man of peace. And everybody will think he's a man of peace, but he's actually not going to be. But then when he reveals himself there in the temple of Jerusalem, we talked about that event called the abomination of desolation, where he says, worship me as God, uh, spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Daniel chapter nine talks about that. And there's some other places in Daniel, but also in Matthew 24, Jesus says, like Daniel the prophet said, the abomination that when you see that, uh, that's when you're gonna flee to the wilderness. That's where the Jews are gonna run for their lives from the Antichrist in the middle of the tribulation, very middle. And then those 42 months or the three and a half years are gonna be, he's gonna go on a rampage to make war against the saints. But that's the bad news. The good news is after that three and a half year period of the tribulations, tribulation seven years, the first half, he sort of appears as a man of peace. Second half, he'll be revealed as a man of warfare and bloodshed, hatred, and he'll make war against Jews and against the believers of the tribulation period. But then that he'll make war so bad that nations of the world will come to that place called the Valley of Armageddon where that last battle will be fought. And that's where Revelation 19 says Jesus is gonna come. He's gonna, his second coming. The first coming was when he, you know, you might say when he was born in Bethlehem, but arguably it's when he rode into Jerusalem uh, on a donkey uh, there on Palm Sunday. That's it. That was his first real coming, if you would. His second coming is gonna be not the rapture of the church. He doesn't come. We meet him in the air and go to be at the marriage feast of the lamb. That's the rapture, not a coming. 
The second coming of Christ is at the end of the tribulation and we're gonna come with him back from the honeymoon in heaven with the Lord to the marriage feast of the lamb. We come back and that's where Jesus will rule and reign over this earth. That's where there's gonna be peace and prosperity. No more sorrow, sadness, sickness. It's gonna be a whole different deal. Um, let me uh, fin finish with just one more verse. Uh, Isaiah 12 talks about that time. Um, and it sounds good to me. Isaiah 12 verse three says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people and proclaim that his name is exalted. That's gonna be a glorious day when the millennial kingdom kicks into gear, when Christ comes and rules and reigns. This is the future. This is what the Bible says is gonna happen. And all the bad things we're seeing stack up right now are all pointing to that ultimate event that's the second coming of Christ. It's gonna bring all things back into order. That's, that's what we look forward to. It's our, called our blessed hope. We all have that. May the Lord bless you with that blessed hope as we see what's going on in the world today. Let's pray together. Tonight, Lord, we're just reminded uh, that the world is kind of freaking out right now. Those that know what's going on globally, Lord, there's reason to be afraid um, if they don't know your plan and your purpose. But we are not given over to that spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Lord, that's what we are given to. And, and so we put our trust in you. I pray that as Christians, we would have a confidence, not a pride or an arrogance, but a confidence, Lord, in you, knowing that you are orchestrating these events. Uh, may we keep our eyes on you, Lord. I pray that we'd not be uh, wearied in well-doing during these dark days, but that we would let our light shine in these dark times, Lord. Um, I pray that these prophecy updates would um, remind us to do what you've called us to do, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize people. May we all be busy about your work, Lord, I pray. Um, but also I pray that we would look forward to and have that hope, Lord, that we would look forward to that day, the blessed coming and appearance of our Lord. We look forward to that, Lord. For the unsaved, people that don't know you, Lord, I pray that they would repent of their sins and accept the good news of the gospel that you died on the cross for their sins, that they too can have the hope of heaven and eternal life. So may they give their heart to you and accept and confess in faith um, the, the gospel message. More and more, Lord, that's what we pray for. So bless these, your people, as we go our way tonight. Thank you for this time, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.